0: Rethinking Heroes, Life After the Military. I've spent a decade taking a bite out of conspiracy theories, unraveling urban legends, and grappling with worldwide top-secret issues. (laughs) I've even racked up some of their awards. Wow, I mean, first of all, what a question. Journalism is about telling the truth, all while ferreting out the bottom line. I'm a Harrison Hellraiser. Uh Uh-oh, with me, Carrie Harrison, as your guide. Rethinking Heroes, life after the military with Kerry Harrison. And it is the top of the hour. Kerry Harrison with you, your new best friend. This is Rethinking Heroes. And on this episode, we're going to ask, can there be a diplomatic end to the Russia-Ukraine war or is the cash register of war profiteering ringing too loudly for saner minds to prevail? Plus, we speak with a Canadian war historian about the drafting of former Nazis in into NATO commanders and later university scientists here in the U.S. And as Florida demonstrates to the nation how even people from out of state can now permanently ban books within the state of Florida, think about that one for about four seconds, we talked to a bookstore owner in Philadelphia about what the founding fathers would say about Governor Ron DeSantis' actively replicating 1933 Berlin here on U.S. soil. Don't forget to subscribe and like Rethinking Heroes wherever you get your podcasts, and you can follow us across all social media simply by looking for Rethinking Heroes. Well, recently a full-page ad appeared in the New York Times with the headline, War is a Racket. The ad was signed by 28 former national security officials, including retired generals, uh, admirals, ambassadors, And the ad begins by quoting Smedley Butler, famous Smedley Butler, a retired Marine Corps major general who's considered one of the most decorated soldiers in all of American history. And in Smedley Butler's 1935 book, War is a Racket, Butler wrote the following, War is a Racket. (laughs) You got to love the guy, right? And it is conducted, War is a Racket, and is conducted for the benefit of the very few At the expense of the very many and this is before the end of world war ii because a lot was going on that you're going to learn about today that you were not taught in history class and i'm just going to underscore that that you were not taught in history class i was conspicuously not taught much of world history in my history class i was taught you know george washington had wooden teeth uh rode the potomac But my family, which came over on the Mayflower in 1620, the other side came over on Kent Island in 1645. We have family diaries that include George Washington's visit to the farm. A lot of different things happened. I have the evidence. But it's not about me. It's just that what we're not taught in history class is inconvenient to whatever moving groups of people from point A to point B whatever the goal is, the goalpost in on that. And it's all cultures, not just ours. We're lucky that we have a constitution. We're lucky that we have a culture that is allowed at this moment to have this discussion. So this is a very positive thing here. So that New York Times ad uh, in Amer- America's paper of record, the New York Times, it goes on to argue that the U.S. is currently engaged in a, quote, perpetual war that is draining our resources. Remember, this is a giant ad in the New York Times. The New York Times is not the L.A. Times. It is not the uh, Daily Gleaner of somewhere in Wisconsin. It is the newspaper of record. It is the voice of the State Department. So if you put an ad in the voice of the State Department that counters what the State Department is doing, everyone on earth knows about it. It is the paper of record and considered so by every country in the world, including, of course, by the New York Times itself. Well, they've been around long enough, and they, uh, they put themselves in that position. So here is this full-page ad in America's paper of record that says that the U.S. is engaged in a perpetual war, draining our resources, killing our people, and destroying our democracy. The signatories call on the government to end the wars in Afghanistan, in Iraq, in Syria, and to invest in diplomacy and peace-building instead. Now, this comes from our own highest-ranking military officials. Many are vets. Many are active. This comes from our own highest-ranking military officials. The ad has undoubtedly sparked a conversation about the cost of war, the need for peace, something everyone is looking around going, well, what about my 401k? Oh, it's gone. What about this? What about that? Oh, it's gone. And most people are very confused about what the future will bring, yet they're told billions, billions are being sent to other countries to help people who really don't have a democracy and are as uh, clodhoppery about the way they run their business, but it is against Mother Russia and well, I wasn't raised to love them, probably you weren't either, and so many of us just simply don't know really why, and we're going to get into that today. We're going to talk about why exactly are we there, what is the goal, not the stated goal on CNN or the stated goal by anybody, but what is the actual real reason behind the scenes, and these are why high-ranking officials who are brave and come out and talk to you, where they might not be invited. uh <laughs> On the Sunday morning chat shows, because what they say, with their enormous backgrounds, their keen insights, observations, and many years of diligent and dutiful service might be inconvenient to the narrative. Our next guest worked in Space Command as a senior advisor to the commander, where our land-based nuclear arsenal was under his command. And he says, this is the most fearful I have ever been of a nuclear escalation. My goal is to bring awareness to as many people as possible, uh, and the backstory of how we got here and how silence is complicit. With me is Dennis Fritz, a retired command chief master sergeant of the United States Air Force, and while on active duty, he served as the principal senior advisor to four star commanders at Pacific Air Force Bases, Space Command, NORAD, and held several positions at the Pentagon on the Air Force staff and the Office of the Secretary of the Air Force of the Air Force's for Legislative Affairs. He also served in the office of the Under Secretary of Defense for Policy and as a contracted staff member. Currently, he is the director of the Eisenhower Media Network. Let me tell you what the Eisenhower Media Network is in a nutshell. It is informed by the principles of Dwight D. Eisenhower. Uh, I think popularly, uh, many Republicans feel that that's what they would prefer the Republican Party today be. He was the 34th president of the United States, and Eisenhower was a strong advocate for peace and diplomacy. He believed that war was a last resort and that it should only be used as a means of self-defense. Eisenhower also believed that the United States has a Ready for this one? Responsibility to use its power to promote peace and democracy around the world. Not so cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, if your ears are listening right now. I want to welcome you, Dennis Fritz, to Rethinking Heroes. Uh, Thank you so much for having me, and I hope you can hear me okay. I do. I'm going to ask you to use your bar voice. Not that you've ever been in one, but if you ever were, speak loudly. You'll sound better. I do appreciate you're here.
1: Well, I, uh, I'm glad to be here and thank you for that introduction. As you have stated earlier, uh, we decided uh, from the Eisenhower Media Network that it was important enough to take our small budget and invest it in the New York Times ad so that we could alert American people how we got here because we need to put the pressure on the president and his administration as well as Congress to it's better to find peace and a diplomatic solution to this sooner than later. As, I, as you articulated earlier uh, from some, a statement that I made, I, I, I've been in and out of the Pentagon since I was 22 years of age, and I am now 66 years of age, and this has been the most fearful I've ever been of a possible nuclear escalation, and uh, the American people, to know that. And I'll tell you, I am somewhat conservative because there are folks that have been around this even though and I have that are more concerned than I
0: am. Oh uh, Dan Ellsberg, who predates you by some years. Uh there are many others. And and let's talk for a minute, Dennis Fritz. You have been at the very, very top. You've actually had eyes in on what's real. So this isn't uh Timmy and Freddie sitting around having a little chin wag about the maybes of it all. You're an eyewitness to what we actually have in our arsenals. You have a keen understanding of what are in other people's arsenals. You understand what hair trigger alert means. You see how impossibly close we are by literally a hair to somebody making a boo boo or an on purpose. Either way, we're all toast. This is not in the daily discussion. This is not on TV. This is not part of anything that anyone is talking about. But really, That's what's happening as we speak right now in the background. Is is it really as close as I just voluptly painted such a grim picture of?
1: Let it be no doubt in your mind. There's no doubt in my mind that you're exactly right. And that's what scares us. In fact, we've been in communication with uh, Daniel Williamsburg, and he's one of the ones that I alluded to that is really, he's really concerned. And I take this uh, concern very seriously. Now, let me share this with you. Russia is not going to lose this war. They're not going to be humiliated. And uh, if we keep prolonging this war and back them into a corner, they've already said they will not hesitate in in using a nuclear weapon. And as we all know, unfortunately, we, the United States of America, was the first to use an atomic or nuclear weapon. And Russia is not going to stand by and and, and let us get first uh, use of that again. And so it truly worries me. Uh, As you know, uh, some uh, European countries are now uh, introducing possibly F-16s to Ukraine. Uh, What I, I fear most is that they, you know, in which they do have a right to, that's why we have to end this war sooner than later, you know, they're looking at, you know, wanting to go on the offensive, you know, deep into Russia. Now, the United States don't want them to do that. Why? Because that could lead to escalation. And, and, and what's so sad about this is that the Ukrainians are fighting a proxy war on our behalf. You know, in the eyes of the American policymakers, the Cold War never ended. And, uh, you know, we, yeah, we humiliated uh, Russia by saying we're the only superpower. We won the Cold War, and we continue to back them into a corner. And that is very disturbing and arrogant on our part.
0: Carrie Harrison with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com, where you can get a copy of this later as a podcast on any streaming platform of your choice. Plus, you'll be able to see video of Dennis Fritz, whom we're talking to right now, retired command chief master sergeant of the United States Air Force, who, while act- on active duty, served as the principal senior advisor to Four-star commanders at Pacific Air Forces, Space Command and NORAD, held several positions at the Pentagon on the Air Force staff and office of the Secretary of the Air Force's uh, Legislative Affairs, also served in the office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy and as a contracted staff member, currently director of the Eisenhower Media Network. And we're talking about the sanity and insanity of it all, also bringing right to the fore, right to the reality that the uh, thunderous possibility of nuclear war has never been closer uh, in more so than even the Cuban missile crisis, which most of us weren't even born, but our grandparents talk about it as if it was a thing. It was a thing. It was a thing. This is yeah. the real thing, and it is a ubiquitous thing right now. And so, Dennis Fritz, I would ask you about, um, not only are we that close to it, but what role does the U.S. have in playing, as you point out, in provoking the invasion of Ukraine by Russia? Oh, You're,
1: you're exactly right. I would Two things there when you say about the provoking, you go all the way back to 1990 when the Warsaw Pact was disbanded. You know, I didn't see a need for then, uh, the NATO, uh, because in fact, it was to counter the Warsaw Pact. When Gorbachev uh, disbanded the uh, Warsaw Pact, we gave them word that we would not expand, as most of us know, at NATO. And what did we do? We could not wait in 1999. Guess what? We entered Hungary, Poland and the Czech Republic into NATO. And we continue on in doing that. We provoke Russia by way of really threatening their security needs. Uh, imagine this. You know, if you back an owl up against the wall, they're going to attack. They're going to respond. You know, we have a problem with empathizing with others' security needs. And uh, our goal is to truly contain a Cold War and weaken uh Russia, but we've gone further this time. We're actually using human beings, and those human beings are Ukraine. And I can tell you, when you talk about accident or, you know, to be a, a false flag, you know, as we, you know, saw the attack on the Kremlin, which I don't think they did it. You know, there's some saying that they may have done it. We even it's a false flag and they look for rationale to escalate this thing. That's what worries it me. It's an escalation based on an accident, based on an airing missile, uh, based on a false flag all those things concerned me where, you know, before we knew it, you know, we went to a nuclear escalation. Uh, we continued to uh, cause this to happen by way of you know, at one time, Russia even asked to be a part of NATO and we refused that. Why did we refuse that? Because of the fact the United States of America, the country I love so much, I've been around the world and couldn't wait to get back home. But at the same time, it does not stop me from criticizing my country. We will not allow Russia to NATO because, in fact, we want to be the strong, imperialistic, one and only superpower of the world.
0: Kerry Harrison here with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. We are talking to Dennis Fritz. Uh who would take about 20 minutes for me to read his cv again but i'm just going to do a short version retired command chief master sergeant of the united states air force norad space command everybody everywhere ubiquitously is with us today uh, offering that which you would normally not have eyes into normally would not have access to he and his group through the Eisenhower Media Network have placed a full-page ad in the New York Times, the newspaper of record for the United States of America, the same place that the State Department expects uh, the official voice of the United States government to be heard. So having that on the same page is might-powerful, as they say. So, Dennis Fritz, so far the U.S. has spent – or sent – $30 billion worth of military gear. That's as of Tuesday, and today is Friday or Monday, whatever day it is today. It's going to be a lot more. Billions worth of military gear and weapons to Ukraine, with total aid to Ukraine exceeding now $100 That's the GDP of many, many nations. War, as it's been said, is a racket, uh, one that is highly profitable for a select few, and I use that in quotation marks.
1: You know, and, and you raise another interesting point. You know, that's another reason why the Eisenhower Media Network exists. You know, all the money that's being poured into Ukraine, well, guess what? Someone is benefiting from that. And I think it's possibly the military-industrial complex. You know, and that's one of the reasons why you know, it really disturbs us that Ukraine is being used as a proxy war on our behalf. And what a lot of folks don't know As we introduce those billions of dollars, that $30 billion convention, you know, usually part of the stipulation is that those weapons systems have to be purchased from U.S. industry. And so that money is going right back into our military industrial complex, who also use that money to fund campaigns of members of Congress and other administrations. And that's why we have this continuous, continuous war, sadly, at the expense of human beings.
0: Uh, to your point, Dennis Fritz, and looking at your ad and also doing some research, uh, between 1996 and 1998, the largest arms manufacturers spent $51 million, $94 million by today, on lobbying, lobbying how about a cocktail what? senator and millions more on campaign contributions by the way here's a bag of jewels and a couple of yachts have a nice day and with all this S, yes, NATO expansion quickly becomes a done deal doesn't it after which US weapons manufacturers have now sold billions of dollars of weapons to all of its new neighbor NATO members those new NATO members formerly uh, Soviet bloc countries that were promised in 1990 was it uh, Baker, wasn't it? Right in front of Gorbachev. Uh, uh, not one Secretary inch. Secretary. We're not going to move one inch into former NATO territory. In return, break up the Soviet Union. Everyone's happy. It did not turn out that way. And here we are today. Is there a fix? Listen, the only fix
1: that's going to be, as I mentioned, particularly earlier, we have a, for some reason, we have this arrogant thought of not considering others uh, security needs and security fears. The only way we're going to end this is, you know, someone asked me, what will it take? Well, it's going to take us coming to the table and the United States of America to stop this war right now. They can halt everything that Ukraine doing and say, listen, we're going to the table. Sit down and listen to what the needs of Russia are in regards to their security interests and their security fears. I mean, think about this. As part of our uh, ad that we put in the New York Times, we put two maps. We put a map, the first one being how Russia is surrounded right now by NATO. The second map is putting the shoe on the other foot. How do we feel? You mentioned the Cuban Missile Crisis a few minutes ago. Well, listen, we were ready to go to nuclear war based on Russia putting missiles in Cuba. Well, imagine if they did that and had missiles other munitions and personnel in Canada and in Mexico, we would lose our mind. But yet, we think we can do as we please. It's okay if we do it. It's a problem if others do it. The only way we're going to end this is immediately coming to the table with us willing to listen to Russia's security needs, Ukraine needs, and of course, NATO needs. We all have to listen up, and some are going to lose. Well, another thing I'll share with you as well, you know, right here, you know, that's going to be a tough one. We're we'll going to have to negotiate that because I don't think Russia's going to give that back to them. But the Black Sea is too important to them and, and their Navy. And likewise, the eastern part of Ukraine, the Donbass region, we have Russian speaking Ukrainians. You know, as you probably are aware, there's been a, a civil war going on there for the longest. And Russia uh, did not jump into that uh, because of the back of the, the Minsk Accords. And uh, they abided by that. But uh, Ukrainians, they did not abide by that. And so that's going to have to be discussed too. So the only way the bottom line is that this is going to be resolved is that we immediately say Ukraine, it's time to go to the table. And oh, by the way, it is important for NATO and the United States to listen to the security fears and needs of Russia as well by us putting the foot on the other shoe, how we feel if we were surrounded by who we consider an adversary.
0: I appreciate your taking the time to join us here on Rethinking Heroes, Dennis Fritz. Uh, it reminds me as we say goodbye, uh, of Star Trek. I just any chance to bring up Star Trek is good. Uh, the great Gene Roddenberry back in the 1960s created the Klingon Empire. We know exactly what that was. It was the Soviet Union and it was the, you know, the ultimate foe. Yet there was a Russian on the bridge. I mean, he was showing that you can actually like make stuff work. And even he was willing to deal with the Klingon. Bring them to the table, find out what they want. If Captain Kirk can do it, we can do it. And we have captains like you, Dennis Fritz. Thank you so much. Dennis Fritz is a retired commander, chief master sergeant of the United States Air Force. While on active duty, served as a principal senior advisor to four-star commanders at Pacific Air Forces. Space Command and NORAD held positions at the Pentagon on the Air Force staff in the office of the Secretary of the Air Forces for Legislative Affairs. Also, office of the Undersecretary of Defense for Policy and as a contracted staff member, currently director of the Eisenhower Media Network. Very much appreciate your coming on, my friend. Carrie Harrison with you coming up. We're going to be talking to a Canadian historian named uh, Matt Arrett, and he knows way more than most of us. And of course, education systems differ wherever you're standing and located, even state by state here in the U.S. You can learn entirely different things. Well, as we're on this uh, bent toward fascism and talking to each other and figuring out who's done what, we're going to talk to him about uh, some stuff that happened in World War II that you also weren't taught and how it's rearing its ugly face again right here right now during these times as we continue here on Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. Life after the military. RethinkingHeroes.com.
2: precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship, 800-915-2051, 800-915-2051, 915 2051 That's 800-915-2051.
0: Everybody wants cheap airfare, but where do you find it? Well, you call low-cost airlines because they specialize in cheap flights, in discount hotel rooms, in cheap car rentals, and with the best price guarantee. They explore hundreds of airlines, thousands of routes, millions of itineraries and fares to keep it simple for you. So if you want the lowest prices on your airline tickets or other travel services, call now, 901-235-1795, 901-235-1795. That's the only way to get these rates. Experts are standing by 24-7 to get you the cheapest airfare and hotel rates available, often 75% off. So don't wait. Call now, 901-235-1795, 901-235-1795. 901-235-1795 901-235-1795 Carrie Harrison here with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, Heroes RethinkingHeroes.com. Don't forget to listen to us on whatever streaming platform you enjoy. If you're not hearing it live on the radio, you're hearing it Anywhere on earth as a podcast on every single streaming major podcast. You can also follow us across all social media. Just look for Rethinking Heroes. You can even ask Alexa if you have an Echo Dot or Amazon. Hey, play me Rethinking Heroes. It, she, the IT, the uh, AI, whatever it is, will do it as will Siri or any of these other computerized fantastical fake women that you might enjoy in your life because you're terribly lonely. Sorry about the sarcasm, but I have friends who actually admitted that to me the other day, and I thought, really? But it is not my job to judge. It is only to support and celebrate. Each year on May 9th, the world holds an annual celebration called Victory Day, signaling the end of World War II. But what happened literally days after World War II officially ended? Well, in West Germany, the head of Nazi intelligence, Reinhard Galen, was given a new job by former CIA director Alan Dulles, who was at the time the head of the West German intelligence. Reinhard Galen quickly surrendered to the Allies at the end of World War II in order to work with the CIA before founding Germany's modern intelligence service with hundreds of former Nazis like him. By the 1970s, many of NATO's Central European command leaders were former Nazi SS officers because they could, as they did here in the U.S., quite literally, not only put us on the moon, but over the moon and onto the world map. The fact is that a certain issue was left unresolved on May 9th, 1945, and it has a lot to do with the gradual resurgence of fascism in a new form over the second half of Uh, last century, this century, and the current threat of a global dictatorship, which we're seeing in countries that many of us here in the United States would look to like Hungary or Poland, China, Russia, most of the Middle East, and even here at home in segmented states like Florida, where governors like Ron DeSantis see blacks and gays and women exactly the same way as the Taliban do, and are about two minutes from burning books in the streets as if it were 1933 Berlin. This is not why my grandfather fought in World War II, and this is not why yours fought either. And maybe you are old enough to have fought in World War II. That is not why you went over. A few years ago, I spent some hours with investigative journalist Russ Baker, who published the thick tome Family of Secrets, which I'm holding here on the video side of things. Uh, he, He reveals the extraordinary finding that came from some of the oldest families, White House families, who support in the very thing that we're fighting and that is still shocking to many of us today. My grandfather's roommate at Yale was Prescott Bush. W. Bush's grandfather and the founder of much of the misery that did not have to be during World War II. Neither Germany nor Italy were the original inventors of the petrochemical rubber or computer uh, technologies exploited by the Third Reich and neither country was the birthplace of the eugenics ideology that rationalized the worst aspects of Germany's racial and Holocaust uh, ideologies. And we're going to get to the point in just a second but you need to understand just a little more of the history with Hitler's loss of support in 1932 and we're going to get into Henry Ford boy what a hero he was how a lot of this unfolded and how former Nazis got into power and formed the country that we live in today even affecting Canada north of here where our guest is sitting and how what we're looking at today is a mere echo of the past now reemerging as the future. With me is Matt Arrett, a journalist specializing in history, a lecturer and founder of the Canadian Patriot Review. He is with the Rising Tide Foundation, a nonprofit organization based out of Montreal, Canada, dedicated to the enhancement of cross-cultural understanding and dialogue between East and West. Seminars, multimedia productions, uh, they facilitate greater bridges between East and West while also providing a service that includes geopolitical analysis, research in the arts, philosophy, sciences, history, everything banned in Florida. Matt Arad, I want to welcome you to Rethinking Heroes. Hey,
3: thank you for having me on. I appreciate
0: this. I appreciate that you have a sense of humor.
3: Well, I, I can laugh at a good joke. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah,
0: you have to, right?
3: I, I didn't quite anticipate that, but it, it's good. This is this is a nice way to ease into a conversation that's that's going to feature a lot of material that's not not easy to laugh at. So it, it's a good way to sort of Put a bit of sugar around the, uh, <laughs> the medicine.
0: Exactly. Exactly. A little frosting on the donut from hell. Well, we're okay. talking a little bit about um, how NATO and because earlier we were talking to Dennis Fritz, who comes from the highest levels. And today we're kind of looking at fascism. What does it mean? Can you actually kick it in the in the. Uh, nether regions and make it worse. Can you contribute to it without anyone knowing? Is it just naturally happen on its own? Or are there lots of people playing in the sandbox of potential hell? We find out that's usually the case. Let's talk a little bit about NATO, which has a giant footprint all across Europe was built in order to thwart advances of the Soviet Union following World War II. But ironically, it seemed the best way to show the Soviets we meant business was to continue to surround them by Nazis. This can't have been an error by CIA Director Alan Dulles since Germany was fully occupied and defanged by the u s after the war and couldn't even grill a steak without our tacit approval so your thoughts on this
3: yeah i mean you you really couldn't if you were trying as hard as you could try you couldn't a- attain this level of uh, of consistent um outcome and in terms of just surrounding like you just pointed out Nazis and Nazi direct Nazi ideologues around the Soviet Union which is now being felt in a more virulent fashion more literally while people had ignored it for decades they could see it now more clearly with the uh, Nazi symbolism of a lot of the most virulent Ukrainian militias as well as the glorification of of Nazi collaborators across Eastern Europe in Estonia and Lithuania they're taking down uh Russian war heroes that stopped the Wehrmacht from taking over the world um, this is all being taken down as history is being rewritten, and really, it, it, this this didn't just happen overnight. Literally, the, the, the before the embers had even gotten cool after World War II, and the before Roosevelt, you know, I mean, he he wasn't even in the in the in his grave yet. Um, his rivals, his enemies that had been operating within the U.S. State Department that he documented. I mean, the, his son Elliot was his. Uh, his advisor, his aide, and his autobiographer, who wrote As He Saw It, which documents Roosevelt's awareness of this British-directed hive, this fifth column within the U.S. State Department that Roosevelt believed he had to fight. And he probably thought he was going to live through his last term in the presidency, but he didn't. Um, And immediately with that, uh, there was a takeover of much of the functions of U.S. foreign policy in a purging of all of those allies of roosevelt like henry wallace harry dexter white uh there, it's it's a long list uh, harry hopkins who were all labeled red commies under this new mccarthyite or I, I should say fbi dictatorship in the united states and this new idea of an anglo-american special relationship under truman was established and with that came the 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 birth of the five eyes, you know, the UK, US uh, signals agreement the same day Churchill announces the uh, the Iron Curtain has now fallen and all of our former allies are going to be now our enemies and our enemies are going to be our allies. As Reinhard Galen, as you pointed out, the head of Hitler's intelligence is brought into controlling with his whole network, West German intelligence and eight of the uh, leading figures, as you also pointed out in your introductory introductory remarks. It's a brilliant
0: introductory remarks. Let's just be clear here. Was that i, I just—I was just being facetious there. A moment of Fis whatever, whatever the word is. Uh, Matt, Aaron, let me let me just cut to the chase here because I yeah. love this and I love the fact that this is your specialty because it is not available in U.S. history books. We often have to go to Canada to remember what good manners look like at the dinner table. There's even a joke: How do you get ten Canadians out of a swimming pool? Ask. <laughs> <laughs> so you know and and you're a little more tethered maybe to the british system where the use of language is considered cool uh so we sometimes have to look abroad to find out what's going on like uh dw or even um uh the daily gleaner in jamaica occasionally to find out what's going on in our own congress because it's often absent from our own news divisions. so let me ask you matthew errett with the rising tide foundation if nazis are so bad Why would you bring over 1,500 Nazis under Operation Paperclip and even have them run NASA and send us to the moon? I'm just asking out of ignorance.
3: Well, you know, yeah, I mean, I think the, the problem was that everything after World War II, I mean, world war ii wasn't really a a victory of a war it it was a a victorious battle and thank god we did win that battle but it was rebranded as the as a new war to end all wars although that was supposed to be also world war one the fact was that the the when you look at the the wall street and london financiers the industrialists the 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 lamonts the 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 duponts the 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 Rockefeller standard oil interest that made the growth of the Nazi war machine possible, as well as Italian fascism and the support of those J.P. Morgan operatives in Wall Street and also the city of London, who wanted this to be the new world order's battering ram to ensure the destruction of the sovereign nation state and establishment of a new architecture of one world government, a reimposition of a new British empire. Um, They didn't they didn't lose. They were never punished. And those assets that they cultivated over decades, um, the highest level officials of fascism were never punished at Nuremberg. And they put a lot of effort into building up those resources. So they didn't want to just like throw them away necessarily. And so they were retooled and rebranded as now anti-fascist war heroes who were going to be put to work in NATO against the big bad Soviet and Chinese threats. And they were integrated and enmeshed in uh, the Western uh, intelligence and bureaucracy and civil service on, on so many levels. Um, so these were unreconstructed fascists that were put to work in Operation Gladio. People can Google that if they want to. This is uh, NATO's NATO secret armies that operated running cells of so-called Marxist-Leninist um, operations like the Red Brigades, carrying out bombings of civilian centers across Europe in the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s as well as targeted hits of people like Enrico Mattei, and uh, even, you know, Charles de Gaulle was a, a target of these operations. Uh, nationalist leaders who didn't want to submit to a new new ideology of world government or globalization, as it was then being called. And they had to be taken out. Um, so this was all integrated with the CIA, with the FBI, unfortunately. And there are good people within these institutions. I'm not saying everybody is in on the, the real game, but it is part of our uh, the skeletons in our closet.
0: And everyone loves a good dose of conspiratorium, especially when it really is a conspiracy. That's probably yeah. the best flavor, and it is all real. We are talking to Matthew Errett, journalist specializing in history, a lecturer and founder of the Canadian Patriot Review, also with the Rising Tide Foundation, a nonprofit organization based out of Montreal, which you can hear from his lack of accent. He hears me with an accent. He knows he sounds normal. He's dedicated to the enhancement of cross-cultural understanding and dialogue between East and West, seminars, multimedia productions that facilitate greater bridges between East and West West while also providing a service that includes geopolitical analysis, research in the arts, philosophy, sciences, and history. And Matthew Arrett, um, I know a a wee bit about these former SS guys leaking out in that I went to boarding school in Switzerland, um, and the house father of my dorm at the time, and he was a very old man, was a former SS officer living in the luxurious neutral country of Switzerland. And um, should we say he was firm? Um, not much fun, but efficient, and uh, just, you know, played along. And I saw this guy. He was bald. He had a scar on his cheek. I mean, classic, looked like an Ian Fleming character. and a little monocle with a lip. Lip. Yeah, <laughs> almost the monocle. And he was the retired ski coach. So he was one of these guys you've seen in former black and white films, skiing into wow. Norway, dressed in white with a Schmeisser MP40. That guy, now an old man. But, you know, he he can eat a steak and he holds his fork in the proper hand. And so we're just going to look the other way. And I just remember how con- generally appalling. The house mother of the youngest students, who's an old lady too, was Rommel's former nanny. Clearly she needed a job. So this stuff is not so mysterious to you because this falls in your wheelhouse, your bailiwick of what real life looks like. But the rest of us, we still grow up in myths and B.S. Yeah. and nonsense so that we can feel good about everything, I suppose.
3: Yeah, that's an understatement. I, uh, you know, I, I won't blame everybody who uh, worked with the Nazis because, you know, they, we have to leave some space for redemption and healing and you can't blame the, the, the kids for the sins of the father. But at the same measure, when you have unreconstructed Nazis being employed to do the very same thing the Nazis were doing throughout the 30s and 40s um, after World War Two itself. And getting paid and rewarded a lot for doing those very acts of atrocity, then you have problems. And this is where I think we have to deal with some of this stuff. Um, yeah, I, I, I got the one thing I would say though: Canada is is not necessarily. I, I don't want to necessarily give off the idea that if you go to a Canadian university system you're necessarily going to uh learn what i'm talking about this like any no. other part of north america <laughs> no. or the or the five eyes how about anywhere uh, is, it'd be just as <laughs> dumb as anyone else um and we when you look at those uh power structures who have taken contr- control of much of canada a lot of the ukrainian nazi diaspora the, those who have been induced to uh feel longingly for the great days of stefan bandera and nikola lebed the nazi collaborators of ukraine Um, A lot of those unrepentant uh, Ukrainian fascists were brought into Canada in order to carry on the torch forward for the the, the next 80 years, which people like Christia Freeland, our Rhodes Scholar, Deputy Prime Minister and handler of Justin, is a big, big promoter thereof. So, you know, we have our own problems, too.
0: Uh, Indeed, you do. Um, Yes, you do. But you have a great train system compared to Amtrak. So I'm just I'm just making you feel comfortable as you visit here in the U.S. because we've said very bad things about you for a long time. So I'm trying to make things right. Uh, Speaking of not punishing naughty people during that time, there was Henry Ford. Henry Ford. Now, he was somebody I was taught about in my history books. He gave us the conveyor belt. He created the Model T, even priced it so that his own employees could buy it. What's not to love about Henry Ford? End of statement. Move along. Nothing more to know. Well, did you know that Henry Ford did more to undermine the Allies than any of us who ever taught in our history classes? Even Hitler wrote about Henry Ford in Mein Kampf celebrating Ford's unwavering financial and emotional support of the Fuhrer. So how did Hitler even learn about Henry Ford? Well, Ford's pamphlet, The International Jew, The World's Foremost Problem, it was called, drew him to the attention of Adolf Hitler, and Hitler told the Chicago Tribune back in 1921, yes, Hitler was interviewed by the Chicago Tribune at the same time when Henry Ford was going to run for president. President. Hitler said, quote, I wish I could send some of my shock troops to Chicago and other large American cities to help. And how Hitler almost got access to U.S. radio via Henry Ford is another conversation. Another time, then we'll talk about the birth of the FCC and what was actually going on in the background. So much history that we don't know about. And that's why we're devoting today and rethinking heroes to just giving you some perspective so that you can better navigate the future. So let's... Uh, sort of uh tail off here matt Arrett, with nato having former ss guys in there uh we had a, a nazi put us on the moon who died a hero uh, in a convertible with a ticker tape parade on color tv um i mean pretty extraordinary stuff uh and all of this other stuff so the people in charge are are not the people we think are in charge necessarily. And the wars that we're fighting may not necessarily be for the purpose that we're told from your perspective, where you're sitting in Canada, Russia, Ukraine, what is that about? We just heard from the U S side. How about the Canada side?
3: Um, Well, Canada has, has obviously uh, had a role assigned to it to play a certain aggressive role in, uh, as part of a, a, a broad, uh, policy of full spectrum dominance to destroy russia from a variety of of directions cyber as well as military there's a big push to militarize the arctic uh, alaska is already moving forward on this but ca- they want canada to be part of the northern attack zone uh, to launch uh, icbms and other other forms of of warheads onto russia from the north just like what has been happening with the expansion of nato and the installation of anti-ballistic missile shields along the southern perimeter which could easily turn offensive they've got the same thing around russia's Eastern Front in the Pacific, which is both targeting China as well as Russia, in the growth of what's called the Pacific NATO or uh, global NATO increasingly, Um, and the installation of THAAD missile shields in South Korea pointed both at Russia and China, Um, Japan and other countries that are military industrial complex colonies are, uh, you know, being used for that. So. Um, Canada doesn't play, unfortunately, a very good role in Britain's great game. And I do say Britain because I do think that since Roosevelt died and since JFK was murdered, especially America has been taken over by a foreign directed fifth column. But that foreign directed fifth column is not Chinese, nor is it Russian. I would say it's actually more located in the thing that is uh, in the city of London and MI6, um, which is a whole recasting of American history from from I mean, I I have written books on this. Um, But I, I don't think that currently we're playing a good role, though. Feasibly, if we had a change in paradigm, we could benefit greatly from the emergent multipolar alliance of Russia and China that have created a new security and economic system that would be much more beneficial to the interests of Canada and the United States and even Britain. um, If we chose to play along with new rules of the game, more viable and more based upon win-win cooperation and building bridges instead of bringing them down.
0: (laughs) Perfect ending. How do we follow you, Matt Arrett, and follow uh, your organization and the books and uh, interesting piece of information that we will not find in our history books, especially any in Florida, since all of those have been banned, too?
3: (laughs) Well, yeah, I guess the, the best thing would be to go to CanadianPatriot.org and all of the paperbacks or PDFs or Kindles that people want to pick up are easy to find there of all of the books, um, as well as the Ant- Breaking Free of Anti-China PsyOps report that I just produced with my wife uh, about a month ago. So that's all available. Uh, RisingTideFoundation.net,
0: also pretty good. All right. Appreciate it very much. We've been talking right now to Matthew Arrett, journalist, specializing in history, lecturer and founder of the Canadian Patriot Review with the Rising Tide Foundation, a nonprofit organization based out of Montreal, Canada, dedicated to the enhancement of cross-cultural understanding and dialogue between East and West, uh, using seminars and multimedia productions that facilitate greater bridges between East and West, while also providing a service that includes geopolitical analysis, research in the arts, philosophy, sciences and history. I appreciate your coming on today, my friend. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much. Carrie Harrison here. This is Rethinking Heroes coming up. We're going to go to a bookstore in Philadelphia, one of the oldest bookstores of its kind. And we're going to talk to the owner about this idea of banning books. Now, you live in L.A. You, you're listening to this wherever you are on earth. Really, where you are, people are not banning books or banning look threatening to burn them because this is not 1933 Berlin, except in one of the most important states of the union, other than California, Texas, size-wise, Florida. Massive state. The governor there has extraordinary powers because his governorship, his power uh, structure is more or less based on a governor of say the Bahamas back during the days of piracy, the governor can just declare the law and the legislature whom he handpicks as he has handpicked. Everyone else just rubber stamps it and Bob's your uncle. Well, right now, women, no woman, uh, has much range of motion. Abortions are off the table. If you're black, well, critical race theory says we can't discuss in a Florida school that there was such a thing as slavery. And if we do, it wasn't so bad. Why, after all, you got a free boat ride from Africa to America and didn't have to pay for passage. It is so cynical and so vile. If you're gay, well, you're gone. You're toast already. Uh, Medical services have been pulled. Doctors are being told they no longer have to treat them, despite the Affordable Care Act. Um, If you just swapped the word, by the way, gay, with something else, let's say uh, you said you didn't have to treat Jewish people. Well, I think there'd be a big reaction, or you didn't have to treat black people. Um, But somehow, Ron DeSantis, a failed former history teacher, is banning books that are about History. They've even banned Tolstoy and they have banned Mark Twain. They have banned James Bond. Oh, my. And it just gets worse and worse. So coming up in a couple of minutes, we're going to go to a bookstore and we're going to find out is banning books an act of patriotism? Would the founding fathers in Philadelphia have said, what a great idea. Why didn't we think of this? Instead, we just fell into this stupid First Amendment, which we really probably regret. We really wanted to have a state religion and no books. We'll find out in just a moment. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison, Life After the Military. RethinkingHeroes.com. Everybody wants cheap airfare, but where do you find it? Well, you call low-cost airlines because they specialize in cheap flights, in discount hotel rooms, in cheap car rentals and with the best price guarantee. They explore hundreds of airlines, thousands of routes, millions of itineraries and fairs to keep it simple for you. So if you want the lowest prices on your airline tickets or other travel services, call now, 901-235-1795, 901-235-1795. That's the only way to get these rates. Experts are standing by 24-7 to get you the cheapest airfare and hotel rates available, often 75% off. So don't wait. Call now, 901-235-1795, 901-235-1795. 901-235-1795 901-235-1795
2: precious metals. Call now for your free gold and silver report. Protect your IRA today with one simple phone call and learn how to qualify for up to $10,000 in free silver. Call Genesis Gold Group, empowering faith-driven stewardship. 800-915-2051. 800-915-2051. 915 2051 That's 800-915-2051. And it is
0: Rethinking Heroes. Carrie Harrison with you. RethinkingHeroes.com. Don't forget to follow us across all social media. Just look for Rethinking Heroes. You can also uh, hear us as a podcast on every single major streaming platform. Well, with me right now is Catherine Millen. Am I pronouncing that right? It's actually Mylan. Mylan, and she is mm-hmm. one of the managers at Giovanni's Room, the longest running LGBTQ plus and feminist bookstore in the United States, established way back in 1973. And it's during these times that the staff is celebrating 50 years of accessibility to and advocacy for queer, trans, and feminist literature, as well as maintaining a queer physical space in a rapidly digitized world. Well, translate this into basically any street in L.A., Chicago, New York, San Francisco, Miami, London, Rome, Paris, Zurich, Berlin, and on and on and on. That's the kind of literature that's featured there, and those are the people looking at it. But in some parts of America, this seems impossible, particularly after recent years in which we are told that America is a white guy country and the rest of us are just visiting. So, Catherine Mylan, I want to welcome you to Rethinking Heroes, and I appreciate the fact that you run a bookstore in a state where I'm standing right now, where it would not exist.
4: Well, thank you very much for having me on.
0: As a white guy myself, I could tell you I am not visiting. In fact, my family came over in the Mayflower. Uh, It's truly unpatriotic people, I believe, unpatriotic people who are burning down our democracy that are the visitors and should rethink their visas. That said, uh, you have a bookstore that speaks to the human condition, the human condition that's been around since Alexander the Great, since been around since Plato, Socrates, Plato wrote about it in his dialogues. So this is not some new phenomenon, but it seems to be popular again, as it was 80 years ago. And somehow now you're fighting not only to fight the digital world, but just to fight to have the freedom to have your books, I would think.
4: I wouldn't categorize us as fighting the digital world. I think we're, we're trying to find a way to exist in peaceably alongside it.
0: Yes. Well, books on paper are awesome. Uh, There's nothing happier than holding a wood pulp tome in your hand and flapping it around in the subway or being spotted as a Starbucks as a reader and writer. And many of us right now are wondering, let's say Florida and Florida is only that important because the governor of that is running for the president of all the humans of this country, 370 million people. And if he were to be president... Uh, bookstores such as yours, the oldest of your variety since uh, the early 1970s. I don't imagine he would be wanting to put neon lights and a turnstile in front of it. Uh, I'm wondering, is this top of mind in Philadelphia as it is in Florida, for
4: instance? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's on top of at least the LGBTQ plus community on top of everyone's mind. Everyone's looking at the legislature that's being passed or the bills that are being proposed and thinking, how does this affect us as a community?
0: So, what do we do to reinvite people to know that Samuel Clemens and uh, the great L. Frank Baum, who gave us the Wizard of Oz, who was not writing about Dorothy and Lyons, he was writing about the Silver Standard or the great um, Jonathan Swift with his Brobdignagians and Lilliputians through Gulliver's Travels, not writing about giants, but writing about the King of England, that these written words, that you house these written words and keep them safe and available for all of us to see. What can you do to re-inspire people to, to fight, to hold on to these books and not let them get burned or banned?
4: I honestly think that... All of that. I mean, all the things you're citing, all the the great figures of literature and the great figures of imagination that they've created, they speak for themselves. So our job really is to maintain our space. Our job is to keep our doors open. Our space is accessible and pleasant and to keep awareness that we are an option, that we are a resource. That's really the best that we strive for.
0: So people from out of state, let's take Florida again. I don't know how many times I've said that name in one hour, but let's say they can't get these books anymore because they can't. Could they go to your bookstore online or remotely and and find some books that have been banned?
4: Yes, absolutely. We have a website, www.queerbooksalloneword.com.
0: And do you carry other literature? Uh, is it an expansive collection of literature? Or is it just mostly queer <laughs> literature? Um, we
4: actually, uh, the store actually closed its doors officially in 2014, because I'm, as I'm sure you appreciate, it's, uh, it can be hard out here for an independent bookstore in, in the new millennium. And at that time, the operations were taken over by a local nonprofit, Philadelphia AIDS Thrift. So actually our, our official branding is now uh, Philadelphia AIDS thrift at Giovanni and we operate on a model of half thrift and used items. And then we also have new literature and I'm afraid all the new literature is uh, career oriented, but we do carry used copies of everything from Dan Brown to Jeffrey Eugenides to uh, Margaret Atwood.
0: Margaret Atwood. Now, if there's someone I want to have dinner mm-hmm. with, I want to buy her dinner. I want to buy her a hotel rope. I want to buy her a fluffy pillow. There is a superhero. <laughs> and if you don't know the name, you can go to Hulu and watch. I mean, read the book. Go to uh, mm-hmm. Catherine, you know, uh, Mylan, and buy the book. But otherwise, you can see it on Hulu known as, oh, what is it? It's uh, Handmaid's Tale.
4: Handmaid's I mean, Handmaid's Tale. And she's yes. a sequel called The Testaments.
0: The Testaments, okay. I mean, that is the zeitgeist mm-hmm. of today. If you want to relate to what's going on around you and see where it might go, if it is left, left unchecked, then you need to read Margaret Atwood, which you can get. Where, again, is your store for those who are dealing with banned books? What's your we're, website? We're
4: in Philadelphia. We're right by the neighborhood. We're at 345 South 12th Street.
0: And what's your website for people who might have to do it online so you don't get arrested for leaving the state?
4: www.queerbooks.com.
0: All right. I want to thank you so much, Catherine Mylan. Thank you for coming on. Her bookstore that she works with is called Giovanni's Room, one of the longest-running LGBTQ plus and feminist bookstores in the United States, established in 1973. Thank you so much for coming on Rethinking Heroes.
4: Thank you.
0: Kerry Harris with you. This is Rethinking Heroes, RethinkingHeroes.com. Looking forward to seeing you next week. You can get a podcast, see the video of this and every other show at RethinkingHeroes.com. Don't forget to like us and subscribe to us on all major streaming platforms, even the minor ones. And I want to thank Gary Baca. I want to thank uh, Steve. I want to thank everyone who helps work on the show and make it possible for you. And I look very much forward to seeing everybody next week here on Rethinking Heroes. Rethinking Heroes with Carrie Harrison. Life After the Military. RethinkingHeroes.com. Copyright Audiences United LLC. All rights reserved.